Hi, I'm Steve. I'm Erin. And I'm Daniel. And we're the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. Three friends, all with professional scientific backgrounds. Discussing all things under the sun in the most digestible way. Enjoy. Enjoy. Well, is it's hot. It's hot. I'm just going to say that. Not it's hot. Man. It's the hottest day of the year today. We're recording our podcast, dying, sweating. I hope everyone's drinking fluids. You're drinking your water, boys. Bruh, I've no, been drinking all kinds. Down, guzzling. I don't say guzzling, you know. Down, guzzling. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> skincare routines. It was just dry skin out here, though, still. Slurping on that water right now, bro. It's hot. <laughs> How much devices are in your room that are just generating heat? Not gonna lie. Bro, my room is quite small and I've got a fat TV in here. I thought I would flex on people, but that TV <laughs> is generating so much heat right now. And the room is small. I had to shut my windows because my neighbor's kids are screaming. So they, you can't hear them on the podcast. You know, if I switch on my light, bro, that, that's, that thing's like a heater now. <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> I feel it on my head. Like, I feel like there's a second sun in my room. If I switch the light on in my room, it's mad. Yeah, man. PlayStation, oh, man. laptop, phones, iPad. Everything feels like it's just generating extra Listen, heat. I've got two games on my PlayStation right now, COD and Last of Us. I don't have space for anything else. And if you've ever played COD or Bruh. even Last of Us, the new one, you know that it causes your bloody PlayStation to make noises like a you know what? pilot. God help, God help Dan's uh, PlayStation, isn't it? Dan's PlayStation <laughs> is like a helicopter. Like you come in <laughs> as a chopper, bro. Through the mill, man. What have you done to that, that machine, man? Poor thing. Bruh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. It's like, what, four years old now? But yeah, it's a jet engine just in my room. Just... I can't lie. I bought mine from eBay. Mm. And the day, like two days after I got it, yeah, I realized that it just randomly ejects the CD. <laughs> so, <laughs> Everyone got played. Yeah. yeah, I got played differently. But you know what? To be fair, it's been like four or five years and it's still working, isn't it? So I, oh, that's I mean, I have to download all my games, which means that it makes the J engine noises, but nonetheless. So basically, the PlayStation Store has you in a headlock. Oh, <laughs> you can only buy I'll pay, from I'll the pay PlayStation an extra for store. every game, man. I'll pay an extra for every game. Oh, that reminds me. That reminds me. That reminds me. The new PS5 mm. has two options. So there's one which has a CD drive and there's mm. one that doesn't. Yeah, one so... the digital download edition, they call it. You, you don't yeah. have a drive for the CD. Yeah, but like, yeah. how big is the memory? Like, because like, I can't lie, on my one is like 500 gigs, like two or three games, and it's pretty much done. Mm. Now, what's the. Well, actually, I don't know how much the size is, you know. I think I saw. Has to be larger. Nah, actually, I'm lying. Anything I said, anything I said, and I was lying. But I feel like two terabytes. Wait, I PS5. feel like after you download three, four games, and they will have their regular updates, like one pod is going to eventually be a flipping terabyte anyway. So. Yeah, my, my PS4 is um, one terabyte at the moment. I got mine from Zavi, I believe. I got on quite a good deal, so I was like um, 279. Bro, you got yours from the pretty, Vietnam War. Good. <laughs> Those choppers. <Bam>. <laughs> <laughs> Had Agent Orange and everything on it, but all sorts. I don't know. It's man. been through it, oh, bro. It's 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 been my it's been my my other half all these years. Like it's been keeping me sane during lockdown, keeping me everything. I watch what Netflix. I think every streaming um every streaming what's the word now service service that's it thank ah, you yeah, every yeah. streaming service app platform goes through my playstation i'm not gonna lie even yeah, music spotify yeah. as well i have not touched it i have not touched freeview in years i mean i just watch everything on netflix now tv amazon prime yeah and i do it all through my uh, my playstation a little birdie told me you've got 12 streaming services that you pay for uh, that little minimum. Is a liar. That's, <laughs> minimum that's, minimum no, no. <laughs> Bro, the thing is, if I say a good deal, yeah, I can't help but I, I give it a try. I say, let me do the, you know, the 14-day uh, free trial thing. And then I always forget about it. And I, next thing I know, I'm paying for yet another service somewhere. But, what know. do you think of that kind of business model, though? 
like do you think like they're trying to trick people or do you think it's good for people to like subscribe to it it makes it easier like you remember I mean, back, in guess, the, guess, back in the day you had to buy everything yeah you can't i guess you can't really say they're tricking you because they're giving you 14 days it's your responsibility to at the end of the 14 days to either get rid of it or you know continue with it so i don't really think it's them tricking you per se but i think some of them are a bit cheeky though like with amazon uh audiobooks mm. I ended up paying for like nearly three months because every single time I went to cancel my membership, it was like, oh, you can't do it through the app. You need to do it through the desktop thing. And then I'll try to get the desktop thing up on my phone and it wouldn't work and blah, blah. And it just seems so lengthy. I'd always say, nah, nah, I'll do it next time. I'll do it next time. And next thing you know, I've got like three, four tokens for three, four books finessed. that I'm never going to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> you <finessed>. got finessed. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's going to get yeah. finessed? These finance yeah, yeah. dons, you know these dons that finance everything, like right? oh yeah, 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 they're gonna get finessed, fam. That with the streaming service, it's it's finished. That's it, game over. What about what do you think about the streaming service for games? So you know the um, the PlayStation's got that. Mm-hmm. Oh come on, it's cool. is it PlayStation now? PlayStation now, now, I think. Yeah, yeah. Is it now, yeah. Yeah, they I use that, that as well. To stream it. I, <laughs> I told you, he's well. the king, the king of <laughs> subscriptions. No, but I'm not addicted to this one because they made it easy to unsubscribe and I wasn't feeling lazy. So I just unsubscribed from it after my free trial. But the thing is, the option of games on there, just they're not good enough. Realistically speaking, which games are people playing? They're playing stuff like FIFA, NBA 2K. I don't know, maybe Call of Duty, which I guess is Mm. free now anyway. So, But I just didn't like the the type of games that were on there. They, They seemed quite limited. I think it came at a really awkward time as well. Because Fortnite literally destroyed the scene. Like, it came up. No one was really playing any other games in that. Yeah, that's like, true. with their friends and stuff. So, yeah, it really, like, overshadowed overshadowed that department. But it's also one of them ones where, like, your internet has to be on, on you know what I mean, on crud. On fleek. On, on fleek. fleek. Yeah, if, it, yeah. if, if it's not on fleek here, yeah, you're not playing anything. Like, you're paying for nothing. <laughs> you're basically okay, a big this fool. Might, this might screw up our possibility of getting a, a sponsorship in the future. But you see, with my... Uh, my talk talk it what used to be my internet talk talk don't say it then what do you mean you can't nah listen, might, listen I'm, speak I'm speak yeah yeah you I'm, want to speak I'm, speak I'm waging war on talk talk mata mata listen Vodafone Vodafone if you're listening Voda. out there Vodafone yeah go on continue so if you're out there sponsor us please because talk talk is trash sponsor your boys you know DM us come on give us that little bit of that moolah some of that free internet just a gigabyte. Oh, That's why. Yeah, just a smidgen, bro. I mean, no, listen, you can't do that with uh, talk talk uh, internet. So I okay, think that's that's the kind of the flaw with. Uh, PS now man they, they make it seem like oh yeah you can just stream the game you don't need to download anything you don't need to do anything but it, you're trying to play God of War and it just glitches every two seconds it, I don't know it, it wasn't for me have you tried the PS share like screen so you, one person has the game no, and they share that. it with you and you play at the same time. Yeah, I've done that before with uh, Rohat, who was on the podcast before. Yeah, um, you get you get like a a forty five to one hour limit, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's like, so like me and, and yeah, refresh it. yeah, me and a, a mate we share like Madden because oh, I have yeah. never bought it, but he's quite he's quite into Madden, so we play it together. It limits some of the things you can do, but like we just play against CPU and each other. So you know what, for trying out games what I feel like games are removed that multiplayer aspect like you, you know when, like back in the day you used to bring like your mate round you just bang out like yeah. the street or something like what yeah. happened to that man they just got rid of all those games just left it online uh, I don't get it as if that market disappeared they don't make money from that market because it's two people yeah. sharing the thing mm. you double your cost by cutting it out basically like, you can't yeah, go oh like, around my cousins yeah yeah like with FIFA and stuff like that it used to be you could they used to have this game mode in FIFA where you could actually this might give away our age a little bit 
valuable. You could make a team, design their badge, design their kits, pick a roster just within the game itself. Mm. And it was an offline mode. You just, you made the team, you gave it the name you want, fully customizable. But they've taken that out. They've taken out the arena. They've taken out literally everything. And they've only worked on FIFA Ultimate Team. Not even pro clubs. Pro clubs have been the same thing every year because these aren't the profitable like uh, streams of uh, uh, these aren't streams of profit for EA. So they've kind of removed it. But surely, like the consumer should be able to drive like what product is going to be made. Do you know what I mean? Like FIFA has monopolized the football gaming industry or the football, the soccer industry or whatever you want to call it, where their only competitor really is Pez. And definitely not calling it soccer. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't call it soccer here, in it, but we, we've actually got a few listeners in uh, Michigan, California. Big know, up Michigan, know. guys. Yeah, <laughs> Big so, respect. You know, Michigan's really been listening to us recently, so thank you for downloading the episode. I love you. For their sake, I'll say soccer. But um, yeah, so they, you know, they've got Pro Evolution Soccer as their only competitor, really. And as, as far as I'm aware, Pro Evolution Soccer is kind of big in countries like Turkey and in Asia and so on. But in Europe especially, it's all FIFA. And so I don't think EA really feels the need to improve their product at all because Mm-mm. no matter what they do, they've got us in a headlock. We won't go anywhere else. You know what that reminds me of? we. Not you. we. Subscription, man. Yeah, you. <laughs> Mister, you subscribe to FIFA every year. You pay that same 60 quid and you're getting the same dirt. I don't get it. I, I've... I've come to the conclusion that this year I'm not going to buy FIFA. I'm going to stick with NBA 2K because they dropped it to like £2 the last the last one. And yeah. because it was so cheap, I bought it and I realised that I actually quite enjoy it. So. But Aaron, I, w- I want to understand the psychology of a pleb in it. So like, explain <laughs> why, like <laughs> for years, for years, why is it every okay, year for, you buy the years, same why game? Do you, why do you buy Skyrim? Why do you play Skyrim? Like a, I, b- like I buy it once, mate. Like a little virgin, yeah? No. Nah. Yeah? You, you, oh, don't you expose me. Virgin game. Hey. Yeah, that's right. Hey. That's don't right. expose me. Your, your, nah, nah, nah. You nah, and nah, your little nah. shit free roam games. Respect. Respect Skyrim, please. No, I'll do no such Skyrim. thing. I'll do no such thing. You're a grown man. Stop talking about being a mage. All right? You're a grown man. <laughs> Well, I might be a major, but no, I'm joking. That. So continue. <laughs> we'll bleep that one out. Comeback. Yeah, you will. You will bleep that, that one. Terrible. Out. That was terrible. That was terrible. terrible. That was what terrible. the hell was that? Uh, yeah, that was definitely bleep that out. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> you still didn't explain though. I actually want to understand that. What was the allure no, so, of like, paying with, sixty quid with FIFA? I mean, it's kind of like you know, every year the teams and everything change, the kids and everything change, and they say every year, "Oh, we've improved the game." and you know, if you're somebody like myself, I don't really have a lot of time to play uh, storyline-orientated games or even free-roaming games. I just need a simple game I can get on, play for a couple matches, and then get back off. So if you're constantly playing FIFA, and that's the only game you're playing, once a year you just buy the new FIFA. That's not really that big of an ask. If I was somebody who was gaming a lot and played a variety of different games, then yeah, sure, maybe you'll be like, oh, what's the point of buying another FIFA when you've just bought another game? But when it's the only game you're realistically playing, it doesn't seem like that much. And you just mm. buy it in the heat at the moment. Uh, I don't respect it, but I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't respect you, but... Okay. Yeah, and I don't respect any of you guys either, but let's carry on. <laughs> so, talking about football and stuff like that, I just want to say happy birthday to Lionel Messi, the GOAT. Happy birthday, my king. And, yeah, um, yeah. All, all he does, by the way, is make uh, nightclub promotes from Malaga twerk for a living, but carry on. Okay, the goat. <laughs> the goat still. The goat. I you know like... what? Should I kick it off? Should I kick it off? No, no. Do you want me to kick I, it no, off? Go on. I'm ready to fight today. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. All right. We're going to age-old question, isn't it? 
Messi or Ronaldo? You know what? I can be such a bastard right now and lie through my teeth and say it's Ronaldo, but I'll be honest with you. I know it's Messi, but I just like Ronaldo more if I'm being like if I'm just being perfectly honest. Mm. The guy's a better round athlete. He's a machine. He's a machine. He's a better round athlete. That's the thing. I think Ronaldo's the better athlete. Yeah, quite clearly, he's so much better in everything else. <laughs> can't really. Yeah, it's Steve watching football, not athletics. Yeah, you know, so. In this game, who has the longevity? Well, I mean, they've both been at the top. Ryan Giggs, what do you mean? Yeah, Ryan like, Giggs. Entire career. <laughs> Ryan Giggs, I'll say this now. If you're a Man United longevity fan, I don't even care if you're a Man United fan. Ryan Giggs is maybe the worst, best footballer I've ever seen in my life. Like, he's given the accolades of a legend, but he's a fraud. Okay, he's an absolute fraud. He's the worst footballer who's ever been given those accolades I've ever seen in my life. Him and Wes Brown are the same level of footballer, yeah? They're not good. They were just in a good hey, squad. No, no, that's, right. rude. that's rude. Wes Brown. That's no, rude. respect what? Wes Brown, please. He had his moments. Respect Wes Brown, exactly. Player. I'm sorry to Wes Brown, yeah? Because Ryan Giggs, <laughs> he's just Daniel James of his generation. That's all he is, just a sprint merchant, yeah? That, that's all <laughs> Ryan Giggs was he had one goal against Arsenal that fraud yeah and people, that's the only highlight people ever bring up of him because he's absolutely washed okay I don't so know next why week, so what was your so, question so next week we have Ryan Giggs on the show no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> this, one, this wasn't even the direction I was trying to take this I was going to be like so like who inspires you oh who inspires so I said, like Messi's yeah like Messi's the goat he's inspired like generations in football, just millions of like, yeah, not football, like just generally, like Bob Marley is a big inspiration to me. Yeah, like mm. people like that. I wanted to find out a bit more about you guys. If I had to pick one guy, don't say, don't say Zidane, don't say Zidane. Ah, uh, you took it off my mouth. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No. I'm joking Obviously, I'm joking. in football, yeah, that's in football. But if I had to pick one in general, like I think Muhammad Ali, because the things he's been through, you know what I mean? Like he started off really from nothing. Mm-hmm. Got the you know world world heavyweight championships. Obviously, he refused. Like he was like man enough to refuse to go to Vietnam. They took away all yeah, the belts. That's, that's that's huge. That's, that's huge, mad. Yeah. That's mad. And 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 even when they took away all his belts, he went and won them all back. Do you know what I mean? And he had a long career as well. Like people forget how long his yeah. career was. It could have easily like dipped once he was like past his prime, but he went all the way to the end. And like especially like when you hear stories about him in America, how he'd win gold medal. Um, I don't know if you know, he won, he won like a gold medal in the Olympics. And then like he'd go to eat at his uh, store and they'd go up to him and be like, you know, uh, back then there was, um, what's it called? The, the um, apartheid in America kind of uh, segregation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that he'd be wearing the gold medal, uh, Olympic gold medal on his, uh, on his neck. And they tell him, you know, you can't eat here. But yeah, he could, you know, at that point, yeah, people usually go two ways. Like, they can either be like, you know what, bun all this. I'm done, like, you know what I mean? You're F society, I'm just going to go wrong, yeah. one way. But he was like, you know what? I'm going to prove you all wrong. And he absolutely smashed it. Now he's yeah, like everyone's legend. Huge show. Yeah, huge show. What about football? Because I didn't want to, like, cut you off with football. Football is a damn, isn't it? Because you, you, you know, yeah. like, there's not that many, like, like big Algerian like players. people. Do you know what I mean? Like, not just not players there, are. Let's not get silly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in society, we don't really see them around, do it? And, like, if it is on the news, usually it's, like, for something bad. That's what you usually see in it, because obviously the news like spin things. Yeah, when I saw Zidane in it, it's like similar to me, like raised, you know, his first generation, raised in like obviously France as his country now, but his own country is like Algeria and stuff. It kind of showed me like, you know what, if he can look at the heights he reached, like for me he's a goat. Like it's yeah, he's just no, no, a goat. I respect that. Top five football. I respect that. Sure. Yeah. yeah, man. So uh, that's yeah, that's for me. Yeah, because I mean, he's the same ethnic background yeah. for you. Just yeah, man. 
and his like he amplifies it that even more yeah you can and, like, identify he, it. he was from a bad back, like his neighborhood in france and uh, was really bad as well so i was like you know he overcome a lot to come to where he's at and plus he showed us a way forward if i ever lose my hair bro zidane showed us the <laughs> blueprint zidane showed us the blueprint that's what i'm saying yeah i don't know you're looking a bit thin on the top still but you're looking in the mirror yeah oh boy i know don't even don't even talk to me about my head that's yeah, a big sore spot for you? me boy uh let's see for me i i think when i was a kid i idolized like a lot of a variety of different people both kurdish and um you know british or american or you know non-kurdish people basically but i think now that i'm getting a little older i'm realizing that you shouldn't really kind of worship or idolize anyone really because people are quite complex and most of the time you you know you idolize someone and say oh you know this guy is amazing this guy is brilliant they can't do any wrong in your eyes and then everyone has some skeletons in their closet and if you idolize someone you expect them to be perfect and no one is perfect so i think maybe they're looking up to their kind of stance in life is more i think important than actually mm. looking up to the person so i would say what about like not the person as in the what about the deeds what kind of what deeds so, of a person so i mean like inspire example, you because steve I, I talked always, a lot about their deeds and how they acted i mean for example for me i always looked up to um malcolm x um this guy called dennis gez mission turkey i looked up to uh Ahmed Kaya, Yilmaz Gunin, these are all, you know, you guys might not know who they are. Yeah, tell us, tell us. Prominent, tell us. Yeah, they're all prominent Kurdish figures. And uh, I mean, one of them was a Turkish, uh, Turkish figure, Denz Gezmishi, was a, a left-wing uh, law student who kind of led a revolution against uh, the the Turkish Republic because um, they were quite right-wing, quite fascist, as they are now today. And uh, obviously he, he was hanged at a very young age and it, it didn't end with a happy ending, but it was kind of the kind, the, the thing that kind of... Um, made me look up to him was the, the moral stance that he took. And, you know, it was like, they're in the wrong, I'm in the right, and I'm willing to die for this. Um, same thing with Malcolm X. He said, you know, they're in the wrong, I'm in the right, I believe this. And he stood for what he believed in, which is something that I look up to. But again, you know, even with Malcolm X, there's a lot of things that Malcolm X has said, which, you know, are quite problematic. Uh, in today's society, people would be, you know, quite offended by those things, which... I mean, yeah. you know, I, that, that, that's the kind of thing that I mean. You can, you can respect someone, you can look up to them, but that doesn't mean you need to idolize them to the point of almost like they're a god. They can say some things that you might not agree with. But overall, I, I respect people who are able to give up what they have for their, for their moral stance, for what they believe is right. Mm. It's kind of like taking the, the aside, you know, so easy in life to be a neutral, you know, a neutral spectator. Kind of not, yeah, not be good, but not be bad. Yeah, I don't like people who sit on the fence. I like people who have something that they believe in and they're willing to pretty much lose yeah. everything for it. Uh, I mean, Shea Guevara is one of them. The guy was uh, from a rich family. He was a doctor. He could have just said, let me carry on with the status quo, which benefits me. But, you know, he went on a trip around South America, which was something that I always thought was quite cool on his motorbike. Um, kind of changed the way he looked at the world. And then from there, you know, the rest is history, so to speak. Handed America a couple L's along the way freed Cuba, so on. But was he perfect? Definitely not. Was there a lot of things that are very problematic about Che Guevara and his legacy, of course. But it's not It's not so much I worship the person or I idolise the person. There's no worship going on here. There's no, you know, this isn't a godlike figure. I just I just like their stance. Oh, I feel that, I'm not going to lie. They, I think that's a good way to approach it. It's like, if you look back in history, 
you know, there's some obvious, I always bring him up because he's actually another one of like my idols is Alexander the Great. The Great. If you yes. think about his life, you know, by the time he was like, what, 16 or something, he was like in India, in, you know what I mean? Like conquering lands. That is, is a, actually a great achievement. But if you really deep it, you know, it's, <laughs> it's quite it's an quite evil nice thing what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, he, he was basically yeah. doing that. Yeah, I but, was just about to say, I was like, um, I think what he was doing was not very ethical, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but he also, like, he built... A, I mean, like, everyone, like you said, Aaron, like, people have two sides to the coin and you kind of want to be inspired by, like, the greatness that they achieve and in, the, in the good way, but also be, like, understand that, you know, people, all historical figures and everyone is fallible everyone has like you said skeletons in a closet and i i think one of the recent ones is like winston churchill i think this has been oh, in the yes. news you know mm. he, he yeah. for, for britain you can't you can't like reject the fact that he was you know instrumental during world war Two. um he was he was the one leading the efforts but at the same time i feel like you know we have to teach history on a true value and not in a in a skewed way and he did do a lot of horrible things um he did say a lot of horrible things also but what, is an understatement understatement in my yeah. opinion was pretty much a war criminal and you know what I'll, I'll go as far as to say this year the people who say oh winston churchill done great things for britain although he didn't do it for others i don't agree with that either because when you look at kind of have you ever seen that picture of um when martinelli scored that long distance run goal against chelsea and then you had the you had lacazette standing next to him posing once he had scored the goal and it was like why are you posing you've done nothing that's yeah. basically Winston Churchill in Second World War. The, the kind of rhetoric that is spewed is as though Winston Churchill himself was on a horse, uh, you, know, on a, you know, landing on doomsday on the beach in Normandy and just like, you know, ending the war by himself. This was a joint collaborative effort between the Russians, the American and the British. And of the British who should be given the kind of accolades of war, so to speak, I don't know if you can do that, is the working class who went abroad and actually fought in that war. Not yeah, the soldiers, country. yeah. I totally it's agree. the soldiers that died for, you know, the freedom of those that they, you know, wanted to protect. It's not Winston Churchill per se. You know, a lot of Winston Churchill's ideas, when you look at them, align with that of the very people that they were fighting against in the war. They're not too far apart from one another, if we're being entirely honest. And so yeah. I think the accolade should go to the soldiers who fought, not just to this guy who was in charge who sat in an office in London and said, oh, yeah, go attack here, go attack there. It's the soldiers who fought in the war that should be given the credit. What's your opinion, Dan? What do you think of that? What, on the Winston Churchill thing yeah. or just all yeah. in general? I guess the Winston Churchill, like, what's your opinion on him and how we should approach him in history and teach our kids? Yeah, he should definitely, definitely, he said two sides of the coin. He should definitely highlight both sides of the atrocities as well as his um, influence in bringing the end to the world war bringing the end to world war Two. it's a tricky one because there's lots of people who's just been just taught their whole lives it's, it's hard to unlearn things you know what i mean yeah yeah exactly. it's hard to to open people's eyes if they're not gonna have the access to that kind of education so there'll be people who go to work nine to five every day they'll watch the tv the netflix whatever and they won't pick up these things so they'll keep passing on passing on passing on and the next generation but but, but daddy Mummy, I learned something different in school, isn't it? And then you know like, what? <laughs> Yo, well, don't listen to those teachers or whatever they say in it. They're just they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're <laughs> but yeah, it's just so tricky. But they should definitely not celebrate him in the public view the way it did because of the things he'd done. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like just, we just need to be truthful. I think at the end of the day, it's just the truth. Like, just say the just truth. The truth. Yeah. You know, he just was there. The he was the leader during World War Two. Facts. You know what I mean? He, yeah, you, the, he he made some obviously good decisions during the war. Otherwise, we would have been you know invaded by Germany because they were on the offensive. Fact. He yeah. also despised the working class, the very people who fought and won that war for him. That is also a fact. That's also a fact. But my point that is, is, is like, fact. there's like two sides of the coin. And usually what people try to do is like, you know, they're either all the way on one side or, or the other. But really, we want to teach the truth to people and just be like, this is who he was. This was what he did. But this is also who he's down for. You know what I mean? Like the Bangladesh famine. Um, uh, we can go on, on and on. But I mean, we all like a bad boy, but we don't like someone who causes the Bangladesh famine. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's yeah. Just one of those, it's just one of those things. I mean, you can't sweep the stuff that, the bad things that he's done under the rug just because he's done some good things. But he, even the, the so-called good things that he's done, I, I always view it as, you don't look at, you know, um, you don't look at what Stalin done. You look at what the Russian soldiers done. You don't look at what, I believe it was Roosevelt by the time of the Second World War. Mm. Um, you don't look at what he's done. You look at what the American soldiers have done. Yeah, exactly. You know, you look at the soldiers who've won the wars and if you're going to build yeah. any commemorative statues or whatever, you build them for the, for the soldiers, not for the, you know, the guy who was in an office somewhere telling them to go attacking this direction. Yeah, you, you like, can't, you can't ever fault a soldier. Thing. Like for, for me, like... What I'm saying. Soldiers, you know, they put their lives on the line for something they truly believe in. And uh, like you said, they're everyday people. Uh, they're not, e- usually they're not evil people. Do you know what I mean? Like they really believe in the cause and uh, they're literally I mean, I have, some, I have some different views on that a little bit as well, if I'm being entirely Because you. obviously, like depending on what side you are on, mm. like you have your... In the terms of World War II. In the terms, in the of, terms of World War II, I 100% agree. In the terms of World War II. Yeah, But I think like in terms in general, in, obviously I can't extend it to every uh, faction, etc. But I'm saying in general, where you see like wars on both sides, like you, you can't fault but praise, you know, the, the soldiers. Um, obviously it's a more general term uh, I, I don't really agree with people saying you know oh you know even people that went to, for example soldiers that went to Iraq um, British mm. soldiers how they like you know they're, you're evil blah 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 I don't necessarily believe that I really believe that people that went there truly you, you know, you know they, again once again they're putting their lives on the line for something they really believe in and whether the, the politicians have used this for you know X, Y or Z for them it's quite pure um, that's mm. my opinion on these kind of things. Soldiers can't be forward. I think really it's, a, be it's a sense of patriotism, and when the thing that you're fighting against is something as big as you know Nazi Germany, of course that is to be commended. You know, there's no other way about it. But in the situation like what happened with Iraq, um, a lot of people signed up to invade Iraq shortly after you know 9/11, but <laughs> no one involved in 9/11 was Iraqi. But the government kind of used it to invade Iraq and they said they've got weapons of mass destruction, which they didn't have. As a Kurd, I have quite different views to the Iraq war. I mean, most people now today in Britain will look back at that war and say, we shouldn't have gotten involved. We've destabilized the Middle East and so on and so forth. But for me as a Kurdish person, I look at it and say Saddam had to go. And if that was the only way that it had to be done, I don't view that as a you know, un- un- unnecessary war. But in terms of the soldiers that were going there to keep to the, to the topic, mm. Yes, you went there for patriotism, but what caused you to torture the civilians that you did? What caused you know what caused you to commit the war crimes that you did? Yeah, so when it comes to war crimes, did go yeah. to that war. Yeah, war crimes. Yeah, we don't defend that anyway. That, yeah, yeah, they went to that war with completely different, you know, a completely different mindset. It wasn't it wasn't the same as with World War Two. It wasn't about patriotism and saving 
you know, your family. About revenge. Revenge, this yeah, was about exactly. revenge. This was about they done nine eleven. These you know these muzzies. They came over here and they're doing this and they're doing that. Yeah. And they went over there with a, a sense of hatred and revenge. And that's why you had all of these you know these leaks with photographs of kind of tortures that was going on within within that nation at that time. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it can be like I think every war always every war will have these kind of um, you know evil factors to them. For example, like torture and. Uh, war crimes but um well when, when i'm speaking of this the soldier i'm talking about the you know the everyday trooper who's just patrolling you know he's he's enlisted not necessarily yeah, of because course, yeah. of of uh you know the iraq war or whatever but it's because he loves his country etc and now he's being sent over here to essentially protect his brothers that are there as well um i i, I don't really find fault with that unless like you said they end up committing war crimes or atrocities which can't be forgiven uh, but yeah, it's difficult. War is a difficult concept, isn't it? Because like, it's not a normal situation. It's a situation that will break your mind. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like, someone whose mind is broken, what do you expect? You, 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 mm-hmm. Like, if they end up doing war crimes, it's kind of an expected outcome of war. But is it though, or else it wouldn't be a crime? You yeah, well, saying, it shouldn't. Right? It shouldn't happen. That's why we should. That's why you <laughs> regulate these things. That's why there's martial yeah. law yeah. to to ensure this doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay, but, to bring it back to the Churchill thing. Yeah. Just flat out, let me just ask both of you. What do you think about you know all the protests and the counter protests that happened over a statue? And the, what do you think should be done with these statues of former slave owners and of Winston Churchill and let's say Margaret Thatcher, for example? What, what do you think should happen? I think when it comes to slave owners. There is just a no-brainer, bro. There's, there's, <laughs> like, no, there's no exceptions. There's no exceptions. There's no exceptions. Like, they're just scumbags, isn't it? What can we say? Exactly. No like, exceptions. You, you can say, like, oh, you know, it was part of the day, you know, back then, that was what people were doing. But I, I don't agree with that. Like, people, not everyone was doing it. It was people who, who chose people that who profession. People actively were against it as well. So, yeah. why did your die ancestor decide to be one of those people? Why did they decide to be a slave owner? So, exactly. It, so, you managed, you sold out your morals for money. Yeah, I could never respect that. And obviously, it's not just a British thing. Like, it happened all over the world, but it's still, it's wrong. Like, we should, let's, let me put it this way. Although it happened, we shouldn't be still, like, celebrating them publicly. Like, they should be taken exactly. down. I exactly. disagree. I disagree with totally destroying them, though. Uh, I think they should be put in, like, special museums. Like you see in, uh, you, you know, if you go to Germany, you go to, like, um, you know, Nazi museums where they... Just to remind people of what has happened, because I think it's important yeah. to keep the reality of things. You learn from history. Yeah, yeah it's not good yeah, to just like cover up the history. Yeah, because then you're kind of taking away the accountability if you erase it completely and act like it didn't yeah. happen. You have to hold exactly. people accountable for. People need to know that the British people were slave masters, and the best way to do that is here is one. This guy was one. Exactly. What he done was take wrong. Take them out of public, public places. Yeah, basically. yeah, and yeah, it, it, that's like celebrating it. There's different environments, isn't it? There's an environment to celebrate, like Dan said, in the public. Obviously, we put things in public because we're proud of it. Otherwise, we wouldn't mm. put, uh, you know, Hitler in public. But like, there's environments to like educate as well, where you know you're going to this venue to know, to exactly. learn about this. Exactly. When, when it comes to Churchill and like, I understand people. Like, I I I don't like um, go against people that were like painting on him and do you know what I mean? Pe- people are just expressing their feelings. But should it be taken down? I'm not sure. I don't think so, in my opinion. Yeah, so I was going to ask you specifically about Churchill and Thatcher. What do you think about those two? I mean, my personal opinion for, of them is that they were more bad than good. But um, that's my personal opinion. At the same time, you, 
it's difficult, isn't it? Because like, do you take down uh, statues of C- C- uh, you know Caesar, who essentially like <laughs> murdered North Africans, and uh, is is a difficult one. And like, with, he didn't just do that though; he also protected Rome um, from the north, etc. So mm. it's a tough one. And I feel like when it comes to, I these... think he should have a smaller statue to start with, at least, because yeah. <laughs> there's a bit. And Margaret Thatcher, I don't really know too much about what she done. Mm. You get what I mean? Yeah. Okay, let's and just put it this way. When Margaret Thatcher died, the Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead became number one in the UK charts. So that, that should yeah, tell you but, how, what the working class thinks of Margaret But obviously, Thatcher, Dan, right? if, if you don't know, you can't really have an opinion on it, can you? Yeah, of course. Of course. Exactly. No, no, I'm just being facetious. I'm just saying like you, you know. And does she even have a statue? I'm not, I haven't seen a statue. She, of her. Does she does have a statue, yeah. but I believe, is it in the House of Parliament? Or it's, it's, in, it's, in a, it's in a building, I believe. It's not, in, it's not out in, in public, I think. Mm. She is the first female prime minister, so that's probably why they celebrate it. She mm. is, but then again, there's also Tories that like are really into her kind of you know politics. Yeah, and this is my point. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know, man, because it's the same thing with Winston Churchill, isn't it? Like, the people that celebrate him obviously are a bit more patriotic. Yeah, like I said, you can't really negate the fact that he was crucial in in like crucial British history. To be honest, you can. I feel like you you should be definitely you know definitely allowed to express your opinion. But whether they should take it down like the slave owners' statues, I don't necessarily agree. It's such a tricky one. It's so tricky. Ugh. Just slap him in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> just slap him in a museum, and people just if you ask, yeah, just get rid of every, every just put them all that into, put them all statue into is pretty mad. <laughs> nah, that Terry Henry statue is a good one. Nah, don't get that Yeah, but you know what though? That's in front of Arsenal Stadium, so mm-hmm. it's like it's it's quite relevant. Like when you give it the context of why it's there, but like I don't think in a public square that is like let's say in the middle of London, you know, Trafalgar Square or something, we should have anything that is dedicated to a singular person. If that makes sense. Like as we said at the beginning, is it Trafalgar? Square got one in there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure. they, they do. That's what, but I say. what I'm saying is, get rid of any anything, good or bad. Why? Like as I said in the beginning, there is no human being who is perfect. Everyone obviously has. No, but that's. Doors. I think that's silly. I think that's silly because. Well, why do we idol worship? You're basically. Uh, as I said, maybe do it for all soldiers. Like put one up that's commemorative for a group of soldiers, and just say this is a memorial for the soldiers who were in, let's say, World War Two. That's different to saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, here's an, a single individual." And let's, you know, kind of worship them. And There's lots of those. There's lots of those. That's why you lay your poppies on Remembrance Sunday. Yeah, no, exactly, but then yeah. that's the race in British culture. And I don't agree with that. Exactly. That's like yeah. British history. I'd say put them into, into the like, museum. That's where history belongs. Isn't there like Lord museum? Nelson's column? There's loads of things. There's, There's loads, loads of yeah. things. Yeah. That's, you can't, it's like going to Italy and saying, yeah, as Steve said, raise these things you go and look at in Rome and the Vatican and all that stuff. Yeah, but I'm not saying it's take history. down the Vatican or the Colosseum. I'm saying take down the, the statue of a singular person. Nah, man. As like a, because most of those have a history of some sort of oppression in them anyway. I mean, when you look at these giant statues, what was the first thing that they tore down during the Iraq war when the people of Iraq was liberated? Yeah, What's the famous thing that it was Saddam's statue? Mm. There's always going to be people who are going to have this debate back and forth of should we keep this person's statue up? Should we take this person's statue down? Why why bother having a statue for no, a singular person? It's because we're like social creatures. Like you, you can't discount that. Why do we read comic books about great people? You know what I mean? Like superhuman people. And it's because we this is like in our psychology is to like look up and see greatness and to like to become great ourselves. 
And I think this is like one of the points of why we erect statues is to remind us like how to be great. Uh, kind of, uh, it's like a symbol of, of greatness in a sense. And I, I get what you mean now. You're going to be like, oh yeah, but you know, Churchill, maybe you shouldn't be celebrated for that. But uh, no, but I'm not just saying Churchill. I'm just saying for anyone, even but, someone but, that I like. No, man. It, I, I feel like we need this in life. And this is like, it's always been part of our psychology and uh, so even like socially, it's been part of our like human existence. Wherever you go, there's always statues of people or things that represent something great. Most societies do that. And I feel like yeah, Dan I said... I'm just being, I don't know if I'm just being mad. I never thought statues that much. Before any of this happened, I was never like, oh, they're just in my psyche all the time. Now, all of a sudden, it's like statues, statues, statues. Bro, I don't care about these statues. Get rid of all of them or just keep all of them up. I don't care. But like, what is it? What is the sudden fascination with statues? I feel like it didn't used to be that big of a deal. But it crosses with culture, like Dan said. Like, this is, you know, is is British history and also, in a sense, is British culture. And yeah, you should like, let's, I want to move away from Churchill because it's quite a polarizing one. But Yeah, I'm not saying Churchill. I'm just but saying, let, let's say another, them into museums. for example, if there was like one of, uh, of uh, what's his name? Is his name T- Turing? Um, Alan Turing? Or the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If there was a statue yeah, of him. The computers. Yeah, exactly. Like keep it. He's a great guy. And it's, it's, it's like, this is what inspires kids when they see superhuman things. For our, they, our, our generation is obviously not necessarily statues. It's uh, like comic books and me- film media. But historically, it's always been these great monuments to display greatness. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's good. But what would be the harm of removing them from public squares? And Where am I going to take my girl on a date now? You see, Aaron, you're not, you're, yeah, you're not thinking. <laughs> you're not thinking. You're ruining the game. I'm enriching, your, I'm enriching your museum experience by giving you more statues to look at, if anything. What is the purpose no. of it? Like, I don't understand. I feel like it's a good compromise to just be like, cool. If we're going to constantly have a new argument every week about this statue here or that statue there, why don't we just put all the statues into museums and if you want to see a statue, you go see a statue. If you don't want to see it, you don't have to see it. There you go. Problem solved. It's not. It's just going to stir up both emotions in both sides because no one won. And you, you know how it goes. Like Both sides really, like either they win or nothing else. Yeah. So this that's compromise. The, that's the bigger issue at hand. It's not yeah. the statue. It's that both sides have kind of assigned this nonsensical value to the statue. And it's like, uh, yeah, I have smash it to bits or leave it up or in fact make it bigger. Like, it doesn't have to be that. Just put them into museums. If you want to see a bloody statue, go, go to a museum and see it. I mean, it's not, I don't really see the big They're deal. They're nice to sit next to, though. Yeah, That's these your are some music. Man's talking about, oh, where am I going to take my girl? Oh, it's nice to sit next to you. Come on, man. No, is but it... that is true. When you go central London, these statues, you look yeah, at it nice. and you just think, wow. And then that's it. It might inspire one or two people. Okay, just how about by this? The day. Let's, let's, let's replace all of these statues with giant life-size replicas of the Marvel characters. You can still look at stuff and no one will get offended, I'm assuming. Nah, so but then, there you go. Nah, Problem nah, solved. people will get offended, man. They'll, they'll, put, they'll pull out something like, you know what, Captain America once said something, <laughs> mad racist, it's going to be like a madness. Mm, like epi- he, episode mm, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. No, no, man, I think it's too complex an issue for us three idiots to discuss and kind of uh, <laughs> solve right now anyway. So maybe let's just move on to... That was bloody brilliant. So today I want to talk about a book I recently read and it kind of leads off Dan's topic of like great people, etc. And this book is called Meditation by a Roman emperor called Marcus Aurelius. I don't know if you've heard about him. He was an emperor during a time where, similar to ours, he's been through disease. He's also a, a like philosopher. So he's into like stoic philosophy. I don't know if you know what stoicism is. Anyone? 
All right, I'll, I'll quickly explain. So essentially what, what Stoicism uh, is, it's like a philosophy of enforcing like personal ethics without being affected by emotions. And that is both like happiness and sadness. It's a way of seeing the world through kind of a bland view, but a practical view. And I'll give you maybe some of his history. So yeah, like I said, he was an emperor back then and um, he's, he's also into physics. And uh, what is, what's interesting about reading this story is having the outlook of what physics is. So <laughs> at least in Roman society back then, they had like some concept of what atoms were. They knew that things can be broken down to basically like infinitesimally small things, which they called atoms. But uh, the difference is they thought like an avatar, the last, last airbender, that elements were, you know, earth, water, fire, and air, <laughs> which, which is like, it's, it's, to be honest, if I'm thinking about it, it's quite impressive, don't you think? Like, it's not even that, it's quite long ago, but they weren't that far, yeah. in a sense. Yeah, they were in the great ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Avatar was a really good program, by the way, I just wanted to say that. Quite like that smacked. <laughs> what what, was that, the what was that big goat thing that he used to fly around on? Upper, uh, upper. Why, why did Upper just eat people, bro? I don't know. I, just, I don't get uh, it. Upper's a vegetarian, man. Get out of it. He's a vegetarian, man. Get it's his time of war, man. Come on. You don't know nothing, man. Everywhere out here eating uppers and stuff. Exactly. But, just eating people. But yeah, what I thought I'd do today is like read out, like maybe because he has short quotes, etc. And maybe like get your opinion on what he means by a certain thing and. Yeah, just just try and break it down. Okay. So by the way, I love Roman emperors. By the way, I love the history of all of them stuff. So yeah, it's, it's I'm excited impressive. for this. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Okay, so first quote: At the time of each separate act, stop and ask yourself whether death is to be feared because you are deprived of this. What do you think of that sentence? I can maybe give my opinion first. For me, it's like to always have in mind what's important is, you know, at the end of the day, our life is short and. We, we day to day we don't think about death but we should do i feel as though he's kind of saying his his generation's version of yoga i feel like he's kind of saying look you're gonna you're in the crossroads you have to decide whether or not to do this thing are you willing to risk it for a chocolate biscuit or are you willing to just step away uh, and what's the worst thing that can happen? Is it death? You know, if so, are you willing to willing to take that chance? So I, I think it's kind of yeah, kind of like a YOLO esque. I like the way um he put it than you put it because um yeah, far more it just sounds than better. Myself. Yeah. Well, like, them man think... were elegant like. <laughs> No, but when you think about like what what do they do all day besides think? So like, that's why these people thought of like really really good things to say and how mm. it's presented and how they. And his execution. So you just, I just appreciate. I always appreciate when you when you get read these things. It's but true. Yeah, you know. Basically, it's YOLO though. You only live once. Uh, you know what Dan <laughs> said? Actually, he's got a point. Like, like now we have time to think in it. Think about like before before there was Corona, etc. Like people were living day to day pretty much. Do you know what I mean? Like you're always thinking, oh, what's tomorrow? No one really sat down and reflected on, you know, what did I do today and what was good about it, what was bad about it. And I guess back then, the pace of life was a bit slower. Nothing was immediate. So, um, yeah, you had a chance to think about it. Evan, you have an no, opinion on that? No, no, you just stole my whole final topic. So, uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought about it. I think it's, yeah, I think you're just saying yoga, really. Yeah. Okay, okay. Let me give you an, an, another one. So, I'm literally another just one. just reading straight out of the book. <laughs> another one. Often, he who emits an act does injustice. Not only he who commits an act. 
he who is that about like a sitting on a fence? Is that like sitting on a fence and letting something happen? You're also just as liable. Mm-mm. I feel that. Is that what he's trying to say? Because you know what I'm talking about the George Floyd. Yeah. Um, and how one officer obviously had his 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 knee on him, yeah. and the other ones Watching. they basically turned a blind eye. Yeah, they didn't tell him stop. This is he's obviously he's pleading for his life. Stop it. Yeah. So is that I feel that's the kind of like concept he's he's um, saying there. You know what? Totally, I agree with you. I think it's the same. Yeah, he who emits an act. So who, if you if you don't do something, so inaction, mm-hmm. you know, is an injustice as much as committing action. So it's kind of like what you were saying down earlier of sitting on the fence and how, you know, that itself for me is like can be a sin. Um, what about you, Aaron? What do you think? Um, I think it, it kind of relates to a, a kind of principle, ethics principle in medicine in which it's like, okay, look, let's say the guy that's on the table that needs this life-saving surgery is a murderer, is a rapist, is a pedophile. You still have to perform the surgery and actually try to save that person's life. Because if you don't perform the surgery when you can, you may as well be the one that's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I feel like it kind of relates to that a little bit as well, in the sense that your action or inaction is just as uh, definitive as the original you know, crime or act that's taken place, I think, is kind of the gist of what he's trying to get at there. Yeah. Which I guess relates to, relates to you know, us, us as well. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the thing with philosophy, it relates, relates for. That point you made, uh, Aaron, about like, the medical professions having to treat people that they may not like, just reminds you of how, like, black people in, like, nursing jobs, um, looking yeah. after being house um, housemaid looking after people's kids who clearly saw them as subhumans but they've still done their best job to their abilities not just for black people but for all race all races that are like um under the effects of racism and institutional racism stuff like that in their own countries and respects so it's just it's just i think it's powerful when you think about that the kindness people still done in mm-hmm. their jobs regardless of how the person they were treating or whoever they work for treated them just because they knew it was the right thing to do Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, like in my experience within the medical industry, whether it be towards myself or towards, uh, you know, nurses and so on, I've seen like countless instances where someone said, I don't want to be treated by that person um, because of their race and whatnot. But at the end of the day, they still they still treat them. They still look after them because it's just an unfortunate thing. But that's where it's a kind of blurry line. If a person clearly has an issue with you just because of your background or your race, do you still help them? And if you don't help them, does it still count as, you know, as Marcus Aurelius said here, as, as a crime in itself? I mean, if I know the guy hates me, then do I still need to treat him? I mean, it's an ethical conundrum, really. It's like that famous picture of uh, the KKK member who was, uh, shot or something like that. He was he was on a he was on a surgical table and literally all of the nurses yeah, around him yeah. were black. It's a very famous picture and it, it yeah. kind of it, it does kind of blur the lines a little bit of what you think is right and wrong. Mm. Do you think like do you think though like imagine like he's obviously maybe a thousand years before I don't know exactly uh, how long it's been since uh, he's been in power but obviously many generations. Do you think ethics has evolved for the positive or do you think they were not more ethical? They were just as ethical as we are today. Because you see, like, usually technology evolves, uh, history, like, a lot of things evolve, but does ethics evolve? I feel like ethics has evolved, but I don't know. 
I feel like they knew the things they were doing were wrong, mm. but they ignored it as well at the same time. Mm. So it's not evolved as much as we think it has, but it also has evolved. I don't know if it, what I'm saying doesn't make sense. But people abused their power back then. Yeah. Mm. But people still but They, they could today. still write. Yeah. Exactly. People still abuse the same power now because mm. you're more liable. So maybe less people do it. I think it's just shifted. Ethics have shifted a little bit. I mean, um, as Dan kind of mentioned, you know, you had these situations where, uh, you know, you, you might have had slavery or you might have had people who were, you know, just outright murdering women because they were like, oh, she's a witch. She can do basic maths. She must be a witch. No woman could do that. You know, this kind of sexism. Because there was genuinely witch hunts at some point. That was a genuine yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah that's a, and, yeah, that's a bit. Yeah, so I feel like, yeah, you can say ethically we've improved somewhat because, you know, obviously there's there's different groups within society that are now more equal than they were in the past. But at the same time, you look at stuff like child labor in, um, you know, countries like Bangladesh and Vietnam and so on, and these big corporations abroad who use child labor to manufacture goods, pay them nothing. I mean, what's happened to your ethics then? You know, uh, ethics, I don't know if, the, if, if you can say ethics have evolved. I, I, they've definitely changed. The way we view the world has changed. But yeah. I just feel like we went from marginalizing one group because of maybe their ethnicity or their race or their sexuality to now it's more like uh, class-based yeah. um, marginalization. So I think ethics has shifted rather than maybe evolved. I don't think evolved is the right word for it. Yeah, I think I agree. Like like you said, Aaron, like we, I, I don't think people have inherently gotten eviler, but I think, I think culture has changed. And because culture has changed, the way we approach ethics has changed. Like you said, with uh, you know a- Apple or whatever, these big corporations producing really cheap objects, and in, in, they know the conditions that their workers are working in, but yet they don't care because it's all for the dollar. Whereas you know back in the day, maybe it was a bit more, I want to say, down to earth exploitation, where you know it's quite direct. In your uh, face, yeah. Yeah, in your face, it was quite direct of what they were doing. Uh, even reading this book, like he mentions exploitation and. Like they they are aware. I mean, at least Marcus Aurelius, he's aware of uh, you know evil doings that we would consider today evil. So it, it wasn't like you, you know people were doing it and not not knowing that oh what I'm doing is wrong. You know, slavery comments upon it, uh, how it's how it's wrong. Yeah, um, that's what I was, that's what I was trying to get. That's mm. what I was trying to explain that people knew it was wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. It still yeah. happened. Yeah, they still do it. But I I, I think it's because. Uh, the ability to exploit people has changed now to where it's more nuanced and um, it's, it's just it's done better. Yeah, it's a lot more mm-hmm. intelligent. It's just done better. Where back then, you know, you only had direct contact with people really. And so that's how you exploited people was directly. Um, I mean, now it's like you're in financial slavery rather than the literal version of slavery. But, you know, I mean, I mean uh, this is a podcast for another day. But when we look at the prison system, the privatization of prisons and so on, Hmm. can we even say slavery's ended yeah exactly uh, yeah. i think it's the is it the third or 13th amendment i think it's the 13th amendment in there it says you know that no man can hold a slave unless that person is a prisoner so again we've shifted the kind of we, we've shifted it we haven't actually changed we haven't gone better we've just kind of gone okay society's changed so how do i adapt my exploitation to match today's today's current climate yeah so, yeah it's, it's a strange one strange one 
Yeah, the one that hits me is the corporation one. You know, like if if they literally pay them nothing, people will be up in arms. But because they're paying them, you know, just next to nothing, <laughs> you know, no, yeah, everyone's yeah, like, I mean, oh yeah, they're getting paid. Completely, you know, we're not going to yeah. whip them to work, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna give them barely enough to eat food that day, and that should be enough for them. You know, that's that's the kind of thing. Mm-mm. But I guess that goes down to. Uh, What's it called when you earn money? Capitalism, that's it. So I guess that goes down when to you capitalism. Earn money, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe I can give you uh, one more to uh, give you a taste. To what? Cleanse the palate. Yeah. To digest. I want to digest it. Go on. Stop okay. saliving, salivating, Aaron. So like, like the bits, mate. So I have one based on like the ethics and um, there's, there's one that says, uh, have I done a neighborly act? Uh, question mark. Um, I am therefore benefited. Let this always be ready in your mind and nowhere desist. So they obviously knew, you know, to do like uh, acts that just that aren't in your own interest, but to help the fellow man is important. Um, and this is an emperor coming from an emperor. But he does say it's in my own interest. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like I'll scratch your back, but you have to scratch mine. Kind of vibes. I, that's the vibe I'm getting from you. I don't know. I no, don't know like, uh, reading the book in general, he he uses that kind of uh, vocabulary because that, that's part of the sort of stoicism uh, mentality. Is that anything good? If you do good to the, to to people, it's good for the common. So, and you're part of the common, so you also benefit in in good. So, mm. it's part of that. I think we, uh, as a society, have not evolved to that point yet. So I mm. think it is more, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. I think we're at that stage right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a valid point, I guess, if you do do something nice for us. I mean, some people call it karma. You know, they say, I'm not doing it for a specific reason. Like, I'm not going to help you move your couch so that you can then help me move my couch. But I feel as though the universe will reward me yeah. if I do a good deed. So, I mean, you could look at it from that way of saying, I mean, he might just be, you know, one of those people who believes in, I was born on this day and so my star is that, you know, he might just be a horoscope, a horoscope person. I'm not, I'm not sure that applies to everybody because, or every situation, because everyone can be guilty of thinking that way. When it comes to your friends, like that's out the window. I don't do things for you to scratch my back later on, that kind of thing. You get me? But yeah, if a stranger... Yeah. This is where the, the moral line comes in. If a, if a genuine stranger comes along and, you, and you, you help them and then you expect some sort of um, good deed in return in the future, as I said, a, a new neighbour, hmm. someone who's going to constantly be in that situation. And then there's like the good, the good Samaritan story, like you saw somebody by the yeah. wayside hurting and the person went and helped him with no, no malice in the heart or any expectation mm-hmm. of return and then just went by their way. So that's the I think that's the kind of thing he's trying to get out that kind of good deed that he want that's good for, for good for man that helps the whole society as a whole. Exactly, yeah. Carl, I but love that story. A, are you a good person <laughs> yeah. though if you're doing a deed for your friends expecting nothing, but to a stranger you're only doing it if you want something back in return? Yeah, that's that's the that's that's, the, that's that's the way that's, you become. That's the that's the very edge, finite yeah. full stop to that question, which is. Are you even a good person if you're only doing it for the people you know? I think you're neither good nor bad. It's like just kind of human nature to do transactions. Do you know what I mean? Like, but um, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. You know, or you you know you help someone, 
for example, you do something for someone, but then you expect them to also cooperate with you. It's kind of like, this is how we kind of assume working with human beings happens in society. But, but could that be classed as some sort of form of like manipulation, if you get what I mean? Like oh, if, if it's bad mind, yeah, yeah, I get what you is mean. It entrap- is it entrapment? Like you, not entrapment, but it's that kind of thing where you help someone out and then you hold oh, it over them. Oh, if you yeah, hold it yeah. over them, yeah, I yeah. see what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. you got know I mean, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, I feel you now. Yeah, I didn't look at mm. it that way. Yeah, no, I, was... I, just, I just helped you. Now you used to help me do this. Like, that's how gang, that's how gangs. That's gangs what gangs work. do, yeah. Yeah, that's how they, that's how they trap people, yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, but I, I backed you in that beef. Now, now you've got to hold this trap. You've got to keep this in your yeah. toilet or something. And then that's it. That guy is in for life now. That guy's life is ruined just because wrong time, wrong place. Someone used that goodness of doing good for somebody to try and get something in return. Okay. I was thinking more like, imagine like in football where like, Mm. You, you know, you, you, you're working your socks off for your for your mate, but then you also expect that from him, if that makes sense. Yeah, like a team, you, team ethos. Yeah. Team ethos. And you get disappointed if you're like, oh, come on, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, maybe I was, yeah, I didn't look at it the other way. That's actually a good point. I'm mm. just saying there's, there's different ways to use goodness. Some people use it in a bad way. Yeah. Some people, they don't use it at all. It just comes naturally to them. Like, you just help somebody. You feel empathy in your heart to help them, stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, that's the kind of good nature you want to promote in humans and obviously people abuse that. You know the good Samaritan story yeah. that you said? That was like one of my favourite like Christian, um, you know, I think you call them Proverbs, yeah. I guess. Like it just it just encompasses what yeah. goodness is. Do you know what I mean? It's so simple, but it's so mm-hmm. obvious. Like when you hear it, you just know that's right. I remember in the story, um, so the, the good Samaritan, they're like, they're like enemies or they don't really associate with each other. Yeah. But there's people that are walking past to... Uh, who you would think would help them mm, exactly because yeah. they're meant to be it's like say two Arsenal fans one Arsenal fan was hurt and Arsenal fan walked past didn't help him mm. then a an England fan saw an Arsenal fan hurt like you'd think oh maybe it'd help him same country and then a Tottenham fan would walk past and a Tottenham fan would stop and help just like um, Aaron was saying before with the, the KKK member and then all the the black nurses and, and were around them like that kind of thing the Good Samaritan story also, like, uh, just to touch on, like, previously we were talking about sitting on the fence. Um, I remember having a talk with this Christian person. He was talking about purgatory and how that's kind of like, it's kind of, uh, this is what he, how he understood it, but it was like an idea of, it's not necessarily a punishment, but it's an understanding that, you know, if you see bad um, it, and you do nothing, you're not necessarily doing good. Um, you, you know, you end up in this, like, place of uh, ambiguity that you know it's not it, it puts a responsibility on the person to you know actually act and do good and not just sit there thinking oh you know what i did nothing but i didn't do anything wrong because i think that's almost as bad as committing the sin itself i said touching on that point yeah the, um, about um the purgatory and sitting on the fence like there's a there's a verse in the bible from james four seventeen. it's actually i'm a christian myself but it's um it's probably one of my favorite one of my favorite verses mm. Like anyone then who knows the right thing to do yet fails to do it is guilty of sin. Exactly, yeah. Like they're sinning themselves. When you know to do good in a situation, you choose not to, choose to turn a blind eye, like that's sinning in some mm. people's eyes. That's the kind of thing that I try and live by. I totally you. And you know like, um the Emperor and you know how the Emperor's on as he's as he's um he's writing these things down, different yeah. thoughts and he's talking about good. One problem is it's like it's coming from a point of privilege, if that makes sense. Mm. Because he's getting in those times, food, basically, Scarce. that was your intelligence intelligence level. Yeah, pretty like, He was much, eating yeah. goods. Yeah, he was eating good. He was eating meat. He was eating vegetables. He was getting all the minerals and nutrients. He had no stress. He wasn't doing any manual labor. 
So his thoughts were advanced compared to the many people that, that he ruled over. Yeah. So that kind of higher thinking he was on about good and good nature, not everybody was seen like that, if you get what I mean. I agree, yeah. Yeah, they didn't have the opportunity so, yeah. to stop and reflect like that. Yeah, exactly. So even though he was trying to do, or I don't know if he was actually, I don't know much about his life, mm. but trying to do good ethics, good, um, yeah, good ethics, it's hard for people who weren't on that level of enlightenment or uh, intellect mm. to think to do good things other than selfish, selfish thoughts because they need to survive. But does it excuse them? Mm, yes and no. Mm. If you know no better, how can you hold someone accountable to it? If that's what they've, they've lived, they've mm. lived to survive. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I a hungry dog, a hungry dog will take food from another dog because mm. it, it's, it, needs to, it needs to survive. Yeah, I feel you, I feel you. But do you think like people, people have always kind of have a choice, even though it's, let's say their burden and, is harder uh, down there, but they always have the, the choice to decide? It's hard. It's hard because it's easy to talk between us lot yeah. because we're on the same level. Yeah. I can't get into somebody's head. That's not. Who doesn't yeah. think in the same way. Do you know what I mean? Like trying to explain someone maths. It's one of the most infuriating things. Because like, how yeah. do you not know one over one? <laughs> it's one. One. Infinity <laughs> <laughs> or something like Aaron? that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why, why is mum... You're, you're obsessed with me. Thank you for uh, letting me live in your head rent-free, yeah, in this time of the <laughs> pandemic. Thank you so much. But I feel you, Dan, super, yeah. Super. Yeah, it's hard to... That's how, that's how I like to look at it. Like, mm. You can't explain maths to people and they get it. That's how it is hard to explain people not to vote conservative. Like, mm. the, you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel yeah, you. It's I just a I, I, philosophy. I, I, I kind of believe, like, everyone has their test in life, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. this emperor's test is different to, you know, someone lower down. But mm-hmm. it kind of it boils down to the same thing of like making you're gonna have a decision one day or like many many of your days, but like you will have to decide between doing something yeah. inherently good or bad. And I think mm-hmm. everyone understands that no matter where the level is, if that makes sense. So uh, it's a difficult yeah. one, isn't it? But I guess uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I definitely, I'm definitely, I'm just playing devil's advocate, you know, just trying yeah. to look at the whole picture. But I definitely agree with you. I definitely mm-hmm. agree with you. That was bloody brilliant. So for, you know, my section, I kind of wanted to discuss how we're all returning to normalcy and, uh, you know, the lockdown is coming to an end. But I just wanted to kind of ask you, though, how do you, how do you feel about lockdown coming to an end? Because as we previously discussed in like the last episode and a little bit today, when we were in lockdown, it just gave us some time to be with ourselves and be with our thoughts and be able to kind of look at who we are as individuals, which isn't something that we always you know, able to do in the rat race. So now that you're, you know, you've been at home with your thoughts, how does it feel to know that you have to go back into the rat race, so to speak, and, you know, you're just going to be burdened with all of, with all of this? I can't wait to lose some weight, boy. I've put on some, some lockdown mm. pounds, I'm not going to lie. Uh, not a lot, but I'm looking at my belly, I'm like, mm, it didn't look like that three months ago. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I'm about to get um, back on that waist trainer, you know what I mean? Like, going to get back in the gym, mm-hmm. which is actually crazy because cinemas are opening, but my local gym is closed. So Bro, 100 people yeah. locked in a room for hours, just breathing up the place, <laughs> munching their popcorn, like getting droplets on my head, like, but my gym's closed, which I can wear face masks and gloves and be happy. Dan, pubs are open. Pubs are going to be open, but gyms are no, closed. No, that's culture. That's culture, Steve. <laughs> I need the pubs, mate. No, but generally, pubs are actually like a cultural thing, I guess. Yeah, it's, but yeah, yeah, still. Cinemas, 
gyms. But like we so can't have bowling alleys. You, you, you missed uh, the gym, so you kind of want to go there and so on. But like, mm-hmm. for example, with me, I ne- if I'm being honest with you, I've always been interested with science, but I, it's never been something that I've been like, oh, let me pursue it for a career. I just kind of ended up in it. Mm. But now that I'm home from work and I don't have to, you know, go in and so on, I've just realized so much more about myself in terms of like, oh, you know, I, I kind of enjoy drawing. I kind of enjoy doing stuff that maybe is a bit more creative on the creative side of things instead of what I'm currently doing. Have any of you had that sort of situation? I mean, I know Steve's been reading up a lot since he's been in lockdown. I mean, you've read the Marcus Aurelius book. Have yeah. you found out anything new about yourself? during? I think like, period? yeah, I found like, like I do enjoy, I do enjoy, I actually enjoy science, but maybe in more of a like open more broader way like and it reflects in this podcast right we didn't this is like the first time we've done this and uh, the topics at least the ones i pick are on science but it's talking on a more broader fashion and yeah i enjoy that creative like you said it gave me space to like think creatively and do create create creative things like this podcast and yeah also like try new things you know this is a perfect space to do something you've never done before and really, it kind of comes out of boredom as well. <laughs> if you think about it, we're like, oh, what do we have to do? Nothing. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's do this. But in the end, it's you find like... games. Yeah, definitely not everyday game. <laughs> but in the end, you find like, you know, this is actually something that you really like to do. So I think that's what I'll miss the most is that freedom. Don't you think it's sad, though, that we had to have this sort of a situation for a lot of people to kind of mm. have a moment just to think to themselves? And I mean, I kind of wanted to link it to all of these protests now obviously this has all started and been sparked off by the whole George Floyd incident but these sorts of incidents have been happening a lot over the years and a lot of the time it's got publicity as well but you know some people are making the argument that because everyone's at home because of the lockdown it just means that you're more able to mobilize as a whole and actually pay attention to the things that are going on in the world because you're not so like constantly pressured by work and you know i have to get get up at seven in the morning and travel here and then come back at this time and eat and blah blah so because you don't have all of these pressures it, it just seems like people are almost almost more receptive to the world around them and i think that's quite tragic that we're in that sort of situation obviously now they're kind of suggesting that we do a four-day working week so to speak uh, what do you guys think about that? Do you think they should maybe switch over to four days a week instead of five? And, you know, how how do you think it should be, be done going forward? The sad thing is, this isn't a new suggestion. Mm. Yeah, this I think the um, party suggested it in their manifesto. Yeah, and it was, um, it was laughed down. I don't want to talk too much about that because, again, that's another podcast. But, yeah, it's been suggested and I'm I'm for it. I do believe you have to have some time in a workplace because if a company is paying for the the building what's the point might as well have online companies if that makes sense yeah. then there's no buildings for companies and then there's actually probably a lot of space for housing but so, i just convinced home, myself to have zero days in work yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah if if companies had no building and everything was online then we could just have just housing everywhere and it'd be amazing parks so this mm-hmm. could that's a different podcast and I'm, I'm going off a tangent now so i'm going to pass it over to somebody else i think like I agree with you, Dan. Like, but I think we still need buildings because you know human interaction can't be replaced. Um, but like, I think hopefully businesses understand that you know they have trust in their employees to say, you know what, we can work from home, and kind of effectively as well. 
and maybe in the future let's say like you want to get something done that you, you know you know those tasks where you just need quiet and just to get things done you just tell your manager look i'm gonna go home i'll finish this off and i'll come back tomorrow and or, or, or you don't even need to go into work you just ring him up and be like look i'm gonna finish this off today i'll see you tomorrow and hand it in and I've, i hope like we move more into that kind of work style where employees are given more trust in in their work and on on the topic that you said erin though with like you know how it's sad that it took this to realize i think though is important is it's going to be kind of changing in our mentality because now that we know that we can be like this we're going to look to make space in our lives to be like this so instead of having the excuse of saying you know oh you know i can't do this because i have xyz now you're going to say to yourself you know i did this during the furlough let me replicate what I'm doing as best as I can and make time in my like normal life. It's unfortunate though, because some people, they genuinely work like insanely long shifts. And even if they do try post furlough to kind of do the same things that they've done while they were on furlough, they might not be able to do it. And it's just the kind of indictment of capitalism as a whole, that there's so many people who might have been more interested in completely different fields, but are doing what they're doing at the moment because they have to do it, because you have to survive, you have to eat, you know, as you were saying in the, in the previous section, people have to do what they can to eat. You see what I'm saying? It, it, there is no ethics behind it. You just do what you have to do. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate. And um, yeah, no, I've just been thinking about it a lot since we've, we've hit lockdown about, you know, how much our work life seems to overtake our social life and, you know, where you do know, you draw the line? You know, I've been reading a lot and like, I was actually thinking a lot about this kind of thinking of, you know, are we forced to do this to eat? But then I kind of came to the conclusion that like a man's life or like not just men, but human beings life is to struggle just inherently like from when we were kids up to now and probably until we die as well. And it's always been like that is the struggle. And one of the quotes, I, uh, I forgot which book I was reading, but it's, it kind of compared, um, you know, all animals, you know, you see a bee, uh, the bee goes to the flower, it goes back, uh, it collects honey, it does this, goes back. Maybe the bee wants to do something else also, but it understands that, you know, also in life there's there's this element of struggle and it goes through it as well. And I think our version of the honey collecting and pollen collecting is our jobs, our day to day. And it's not necessarily an unfortunate thing because it keeps us on our feet and, you know, active. Isn't that what makes us different from everything else? Is that we have free will. We have the choice not to collect pollen and make honey. Excellent point. Excellent we can point. we can go and cut or um grass cut around. We can go and I don't know eat worms and then fly off to our nest. We have the choice to do <laughs> all the things. The animals. I was speaking of random animals. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I don't know why birds and and mm. grass cutting ants came to my head, but yeah, that's what that's what sets us apart from the animal kingdom. In our nature, I think humans are quite anarchic in that. You just mentioned a bee, and my first thought was, well, uh, you know, a bee is flying from, you know, flower to flower, collecting honey because it has to. But a human being is supposed to be a bipedal mammal that lives on Earth and walks on Earth, but we've managed to fly because we are defiant of the restrictions put upon us by nature and by anything. Mm. But why are we so willing to accept, you know, you live however many years and you're going to spend a vast majority of it just working to make money not even for yourself most of the time you're making it for some other corporation and you're only getting a small percentage of that money you're giving up so much of your life doing these like you're working five days a week you only have two days off that's the majority of your week you're spending it 
you know, workplace. It's affecting your social life. It's, it's affecting you as a human being and your yeah. progress that you could make. And it's kind of like Dan said, I mean, human beings, we don't, we don't tend to listen to anything, but why do we listen to, in essence, capitalism? Well, when I think of work, okay, yeah, you, you put it in a way where like work is a burden. It's something that you don't necessarily want to do. But for me, you have to be able to provide something to society. I think that's what defines human beings is that we're giving. And so if you can find yourself in something that you like, but you're also giving to, you know, you're giving back to society in some way or form. Like even if you're, for example, in retail, some people enjoy working in retail and let's say you do it with a positive attitude and you kind of give an extra value to, you know, people who are coming in and out. I think that's where you have to draw like your, your happiness from is are you providing to society at the end of the day? Yeah, sure. The money, obviously there's also the money aspect and uh, it's not ideal for everyone. And this is capitalism, I guess. So, but let's say there was no money. Should we stop working? I totally disagree. I think we should still maintain the work ethic even if so even if like there's there's a day where you feel like you don't want to do anything that is and you're in in a field which you love that's what i mean by the b mentality like today i'm just going to do what the b does because that's what i do i am ex, i am this person this is what i do to provide society and you do it i mean that's all well and good if you look at it from the perspe- perspective of you know i do this because i like to do it, i do this because i have to do it etc but for example, if you're an artist, one can argue that an artist is giving a lot to society. But yeah. an artist will not be paid equivalent amount, if that makes sense, for their impact on society. A lot of artists end up dead and broke. So they're just broke. They don't have anything to their name, so to speak. Now, if we lived in a society where you could genuinely do the things that you enjoy doing and be paid the, at least, let's say, the living wage, which I think is the minimum necessity anyway, then I'd say cool, but we live in a society, a society where you have to do things that you don't want to do to be able to survive. But I mean, for others, I guess, if they enjoy their job and they get paid for it, that's great. But what about the people who don't enjoy their job, who want to do something else, but they can't do it because there is no money in it? I think the world's much, much, much more complicated than that. It's not just, I want to do this, but I can't do that because there's no money in it. The way the world is now, you can't just be born and then expect food, housing, clothing, everything, all the security that comes to the world without having to work. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't no, no, like, I'm, I'm we're not too far gone. against work. I'm just saying that the, the part of it that's sad, I'm not saying that it's something that, you know, shouldn't happen or whatever. The part of it that's kind of sad to me is that, as you but, said... You don't you you don't you don't necessarily get the option of enjoying your work. You just do the work. That but Aaron, like this is the thing that has always been happening since like beginning of time. Like you, you, if you look at your ancestors, you know, like yeah, sure, maybe they enjoyed art, but at the end of the day, they were like working on farms or on top of what they did. Also, they understood like you know, like I said, this is what I meant by the human nature is to struggle. Like we we have always be, there will always be a select tiny few that won't be struggling at all. And to be honest, I think that's actually unhealthy to the human psyche. But nevertheless, like what I'm talking about is we have always been in this dual, um, dual world where we had to also, you know, we have to struggle to put food on the table, struggle to survive and but give to us. what is society? Is it not something that's made by human beings and therefore can't it be changed by human beings? It doesn't matter if that was the case for, you know, millennia. Yeah, but... We but, as human beings should be able to change but that. People, no? people find a way to be artists i mean like you, you, you of course well, you're, you can, you're honing in too much on the artist thing i'm not don't hone in on that too much i'm just talking about the concept of 
you're saying people have to struggle because it's within the innate you know human nature to struggle and so on and so forth but yeah why does it have to be society is created by humans run by humans why can't we just change because it? i i think if we're not struggling it's really bad for our human psyche we become lazy we become have you heard of like people that like retire and then they become like depressed do you know what I mean? They don't have a meaning in their life. But yet there's the old man who's always working in his pizza store. And even though his son tells him, dad, just stop working. I can take over. It's something that keeps him on his feet and keeps him going. For he, like, he keeps him busy. And that's what I mean by the struggle. It's not necessarily like a bad kind of struggle. It's kind of like the, the, just fighting every day, just doing things and getting stuck in. I think that's I think that romanticizes like the, the kind of, disparity between the classes almost though the class thing is a different the, the class the, thing is a different question though the like, struggle because there's the, think about it like this you're saying there's a there's a remote few who are you know wealthy and well off and blah blah those people are not going to struggle as much as for example the working class yeah and we, we you know they're not going to struggle they're going to retire early they're going to do all of these things they're going to live long healthy lives because they're going to have access to medication and so on and so forth their life is going to be easier period why should we romanticize the struggle that the working class goes through and go, oh, no, but it gives them meaning? No, what I mean... work have to give you meaning? It but what, what, you know? what I mean is even the man with the money has to put struggle in his life. He has to reach higher, higher places. He needs to give... Like I always say, like the struggle should be also giving back to society. I think you guys are kind of arguing different points. Like Steve's talking about struggle. It doesn't necessarily mean to be working for somebody. It could be planting vegetables in your garden. Yeah, exactly. Every day you tend to your vegetables, you tend to your plants. That's that's somebody's struggle, Flemish. That's somebody's purpose. Yeah. It's like end of the day. No, I'm talking strictly labour. Yeah, that's what I mean. You're arguing you're arguing slightly different points. And you're both making sense and you are talking about romanticizing the struggle of the working class. Like people wake up at five o'clock in the morning, coming home at seven o'clock in the evening. Like that's not a good struggle for any psyche. Because yeah. you're just grinding yourself down slowly, slowly, slowly to your deathbed. But if you do have the privilege to retire at a good age and then you have nothing to do afterwards, you're going to want to go back to your pizza shop and start exactly. making dough and talking to the customers and then going home tired or satisfied that you've done a good day. You've done a good day's work. You've done something yeah. with your life. Like yeah. Everyone's different. That's a problem talking about society everyone's different some people are happy just sitting down and relaxing and can do that and keep good mental good mental health but some people can't i know my mom cannot sit still she has to be doing something yeah I see. and it, it, it worries me because i can sit there and just like look at nature and just observe it and be happy she's like oh no i need to cut the grass that bush needs trimming <laughs> um She's looking at the fence and he's painting. And that yeah. means I have to go paint that fence. <laughs> so <laughs> you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I, I definitely agree with Steve that some sort of motivation keeps us sane. Yeah, some kind of like resistance in life, even though it's on yourself. Yeah. For example, Aaron, I don't know if you know about Eddie Hearn, the promoter, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, he, he, there's this pro boxing promoter who's, uh, his dad was a Hall of Famer. He, his dad was a huge promoter. He started from zero and built his company. And then obviously Eddie Hearn was born and he took over the company. And a lot of people, you know, they say, you know, oh, he's born with a silver spoon, had it easy. When in reality, if like they had, if they had the, his opportunity, like where he's brought boxing now and he's still working like tirelessly to push boxing up. This is what I mean by the struggle. He's putting it on himself 
to give back to society and this is his way of giving to society you know or you, you can get some people who are like you know how they have rich parents are born but then do nothing are just like bums and yeah sure they'll they'll be fine and whatever they'll get a wage and they'll retire early as well but the difference is the other one has fulfilled his like social needs uh, and he's, he's um, that, that's yeah. the thing though again you're romanticizing that struggle that they're going through because the person who doesn't do anything doesn't you know do anything that gives back to society is still happy no I, day, I don't believe so. you're you're in your head you've come to the conclusion that deep down inside yeah you've got all the money in the world like a charles dickens novel where it's like yeah you've got all the money in the world mr scrooge but you're going to end up you know old and alone how do you know that though I mean, I know it's wrong for me to assume the opposite, that they're happy. But mm. given the facts of what we're looking at, you have money, you've retired early, you've got the best health care, the best uh, you know, quality of life. There's so no what? reason for you to be unhappy per se. I understand that, obviously, you can't just look at someone and say you can't be happy. But to, to argue the opposite that, oh, no, no, but they didn't give to society, okay. so they'll definitely be upset. Let me give you an example. Like, you can see there's a lot of like, sports athletes uh, in the public eye that you know mm. make a lot of money um but then once they stop doing what they do they fall off they go into drugs they go into etc et yeah they struggle they struggle a lot yeah yeah and this is what i mean by because they don't have that struggle they don't and that's their struggle is sports for example like tyson fury if we're on the boxing thing you know he mm. you know he was a boxer his whole life since he was uh, 14 years old you know boxing beat klitschko then he decided to quit boxing he had nothing else to do. He, 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 with your theory, you know, he had money, he had welfare, he had everything. He had the uh, heavyweight belt. Mm. But then in the end, he fell into drugs, alcoholism, and almost suicide. And only when he be- came back to boxing did he put his, oh, his struggle, his, you know, contribution to society, did his life go back to normal. And I think people... I feel like you're looking at fringe anomalies, though. No, what? they're not. I, I think I you're feel looking like that's at fringes. an anomaly, though. Nah, man. Look at all the... Like, give me an athlete that's quit, done nothing, and is, like, completely happy. Examples are all around people who are, like, the top 1-2% of top elite athletes or top elite promoters or whatever in their fields. And once they leave the really high plinth that they're on, they, they want give me, that Give me an example. I'm give talking an example. about just someone who's like a middle class person or, a, you know, middle to upper class person who but that's a, retires early. I'm talking about a regular person. I'm talking about somebody who's like a supreme athlete or the top. What, happens, what happens when people retire? Like they're fringe. What happens when people retire early? What do they when do? When people retire early, if you've got the money to do whatever you want, you can pick up any hobby you want. You can pick up anything that you want to do. You have that. So, so do people it. don't just sit on their ass. They look to do something, right? Yeah, so sure, this, but, but, but this but is my point. Looking, you're looking at it from a point that's of these it points. has to that's be a struggle. Points. You're no, looking at it from they have I to call have it like the something struggle, that they push, against, they push against. But you could do something that you just enjoy, that you just pay money to do. And yeah, but that's you, it. It's not, you it wake up, have to be something that pushes you. For example, Dan enjoys going to the gym. But his struggle is like waking up, going there, you know, rain, sleep, whatever. Even though he really enjoys it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You could say that about Dan, but that is his struggle. It's like he pushes to do this thing every day i feel like what we're talking about is completely different things because what i'm because for example if i say to someone do you like doing art doing art isn't something that is easy you enjoy it yeah but yeah. it's something that's difficult to do that's that is the kind of struggle that you do in everyday life which i guess is what you're talking about i'm talking more about labor i'm not talking about oh i do this thing and as a you know as a byproduct of it yes there is a struggle to it but it gives me enjoyment i'm talking about literally pushing some putting someone into physical labor throughout the majority of their life and saying that you, they should be glad that they're doing this 
is labor for the majority of their life because it's giving them meaning. I don't think your life should have the meaning of your work a bee and you should work for the whole of your life. Uh, and that should be enough for you. I don't think that that's the correct way of looking at it. Like that's, that's damaging to your psyche as well, no? No, I, I, did, say, I did say being a, a workhorse for your whole life is not good for you at all. Especially if you're going to come out of it without money. A lot of people aren't coming, are coming out of it without pensions. They're coming out with bad backs, bad legs, bad knees. Like people are suffering because of their work in the whole entire life. Especially at the lower classes there in London. You've got immigrant people. Um, who are not who weren't born to this country, who would have known what to do with themselves when they got here. So they're coming out bad. They're relying on their children to make yeah. sure that they're propped up and they're being looked after. So, yeah, that's not good. I don't agree with that. That's 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 terrible in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And those, I don't know. I can only speak on my situation. My grandparents, like I said, I just talk about my mother. She can't say still. My grandmother, she tends to her plants. So my grandmother, she was like a nurse for her whole life. She came from Jamaica, she came to England, and she was she was a nurse. She worked night shifts, and she worked them every day, looked after five children. So yeah, they tried to change her shift from morning to nighttime, nighttime to morning, and it got too much for her, and she just retired. So yeah. she retired as a nurse. And she had to do something. She had to find something that challenged her, kept her going. Because yeah. she couldn't sit in the house all day, every day after retirement. Even if the um, work had, even the work had taken a toll on her, um, she still had to do something. So she tends to her plants religiously. Mm-hmm. She does what she needs to do. Like she's always out of the house. I go around to see her. She's like, "Oh, I'm just popping out now." And he's like, "But nanny, you need to relax." She's like, "No, I don't need to relax. Mm-hmm. I feel fit. I can still keep on my feet. I'm not gonna sit down and rot." And then she just goes, "You coming with me?" And I'm like, uh, "Well, of course. I've come to see you, so I'm out of the house now with my nan." So yeah. So I do agree, people have to challenge themselves. That's yeah. what, as Steve says, a struggle, something to push against. Like they have to keep active. That was bloody brilliant. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Um, I hope you're all looking forward to breaking lockdown. Fourth of July, getting off to the barbers, you know. Um, yeah, enjoy everyone. <laughs> enjoy your, your, your freedom for as long as it lasts. And then off to work you go. And uh, struggle. in terms of what we'll be doing... The Last of Us 2, uh, part two, I'll be doing a review for that. I believe Dan's going to be doing a review as well. We'll put it up on the um, Ghost, Ghost of, of Tsushima in July, in July. And we'll put it up onto our website. Um, we'll put the link of it into the description. Follow us on Instagram at Verbal Reasoning Podcast and on Twitter on uh, Podcast Verbal. Uh, and thank you for listening. Uh, Steve, why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand? That was bloody brilliant.